Tom, what does it mean to learn out loud? I think leaders have a commitment uh, to learning and to sharing what they're uh, learning as they're learning it. Um, but that can be really uncomfortable because your learning is often fresh and not fully uh, processed. But that that idea of learning out loud is really the, the origin story of getting smart and starting to blog um, on a daily basis back in 2008. Um, and it, it, that idea of learning out loud was also part of my, my superintendency. Um, uh, much to the chagrin of most of my staff, because I was sharing not fully formed uh, leadership lessons with my uh, with my community, but I do think it it shows a sense of humility and openness and models the sort of learning that that uh, we want from everybody. You are listening to the Getting Smart podcast. I'm producer Mason Pasha, and today I'm joined by Tom Vander Ark and Shawnee Carruthers, two people who need no introduction to celebrate the approximately 400th episode of the Getting Smart podcast. 400. <laughs> we, we made it. We made it to this benchmark. 400. Tom, why did Getting Smart decide to start a podcast in the first place? You know, I, I think we started this back in 2015. So I, I'd been blogging uh, on a daily basis since about 2008. And uh, by this time, um, maybe I was sick of writing. That could be part of it. Um, but we, we were starting to see, uh, we, we were three or four years into the, the podcast boom and people using a lot of video uh, to share on uh, what they're learning on, uh, on social media. And so we thought we would give it a try. It, it actually launched um, as part of two of the campaigns that we were running in the middle of the last decade. One was our Smart Parents uh, project, which was uh, advice for for other parents uh, trying to raise kids. The other one was Smart Cities, uh, which was seven keys to education and employment. This was advice to, uh, to community leaders. And as part of both of those efforts, we started recording a podcast with people uh, providing advice on, uh, on parenting and trying to build community. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask the question, uh, who would you rather work with, a podcast producer or an editor? But I figured that wouldn't be fair, and it was a little biased. So. No, definitely a podcast producer. <laughs> what kind of, I, you know, because uh, usually when we finish a podcast, then you go away and do your magic and make me sound better. An editor usually sends me something full of red ink, and then I just feel bad about myself as a, as a writer, so... I, I love working with you, Mason, and I appreciate that you make uh, Shawnee and I sound uh, better than we actually are every week. Yes. Oh, hardly. You guys are great. All right. We're going to jump into a quick lightning round, which is just a couple moments that stood out to me through the podcast. Uh, we'll think of it as a little light quiz. So first question, <laughs> who did we interview along the South Fork of the Snoqualmie River? Oh, Mason, this, I think this is the, is this the only outdoor podcast that we've ever done? Um, Mason and I traveled um, up the Snoqualmie to the, almost to the top of the Snoqualmie Pass, an hour east of, of Seattle to Camp Waskowitz, uh, where, where every kid in Western Washington goes in fifth and sixth grade. And we interviewed, we interviewed the the camp director, uh, Roberta McFarlane, really one of the world's leading experts on outdoor education. She now leads outdoor education for the state of Washington. 
And uh, Mason, you and I had just had a great time chasing her around with a microphone, <laughs> puffing and puffing and talking over the water and hoping like heck we didn't run into a bear. Yes, absolutely. We've got some great footage of us trying to kind of crane around with a mic. Um, so this is also one of my favorites. This was probably early in the pandemic, but who gave our first virtual hug in a podcast? <laughs> I remember being surprised and feeling a bit awkward about our friend, uh, Joe Erpelding. Joe had been the, the school leader at uh, Design 39. Shawnee, that's one of our favorite K-8 schools in the whole world in, in North San Diego County in the Poway School District. And Joe came on the podcast right after he left Design 39 and joined uh, Thrively, uh, an, an ed tech provider. We, we love Joe and really appreciate his leadership, but those public hugs are a little, little awkward for a stodgy old guy like me. <laughs> well, it would say we appreciate all his energy. So Joe giving a virtual hug is just like super on par um, for who he we'll is. Try. Bring it, Joe. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> we just gave you an audio hug. You just didn't maybe hear it. Right. Um, all right. This one is actually from the Educator podcast. Uh, yeah. But this is whose nickname means breadfruit, which is a kind of tree that can feed 15 people for a whole year. Yeah, she was definitely one of our favorites. And that was Ulani Shiraishi. And she is out of Maui. And, you know, it was very kind of humbling to talk to Ulu and she was just a good reminder of the importance of the place that feeds you, which is your home and the importance of elders and just the love of her Hawaiian court culture and just the mentorship and education that they learn from the celebrated elders and their community, um, which is super inspiring and super enlightening. And she just does like fun things like fun book clubs and things of that nature. And one of the, the, the great things about all of the pods we had so far is that they kind of become friends for a really long time and we can just talk to them. Um, but um, huge, huge love for Ulu. Yeah, I'll never forget when she said the food she'd bring to a uh, party was a salad goulash because she just loves diversity of things. So yeah, she said she was like a cranberry or something and just like, okay. You got it. Um, awesome. Okay, so who said the line with open hearts and with open minds, but we're coming for you in regard to, uh, I believe, their governor at the time? Oh, uh, that, that was 100 days of uh, conversation, right? Aaron, but one of the young men that Aaron brought on, help me, Mason. It was, yeah, his name's Cole. He was Cole. he was amazing. Yeah, he, he was, was he was an extraordinary. Um, and Aaron Aaron Rab. Yep. Uh, Hundred days of conversation. She had uh, enlisted some student leadership in the in the Twin Cities. And the three young men that came on were incredibly articulate and passionate. <laughs> they were amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. Who said, if you want the bell of joy to ring, ring the flipping bell? <laughs> that was Clifton. Clifton <laughs> Albert. Um, no, I love that. He had a beautiful memoir and um, he, he was certainly one of our most joyful guests. He, he was. That was that was a good one. <laughs> Um, so at Getting Smart Events, we always love to kick off with a poem. And recently, yeah. we uh, were lucky enough to have a guest kick off the podcast with an original poem. Um, 
Who was that? It was Aaron. And I'll go ahead and answer, even though it was Tom's pod, but I did listen to it. And I loved her original poem. I loved her energy. Like just as soon as I listened to that whole pod, I went right to Twitter and started like sharing it out. Like y'all, you have to check this out. She is just, you know, so great. And I remember in her pod, she said, I want to be the me I didn't have. So you can be the me you're meant to be. And that just really spoke to me. Um, And so I was just like, this is someone to follow. This is someone to know. Um, And those are the people um, who you just got to kind of keep an eye on. Absolutely. All right. Um, Similarly, just an incredible guest. So joyful. Who recited an off record freestyle for us? (sighs) There are literally no words for Timothy Jones. Like, Mason, I remember, you know, the pod was great. Like he said some really dope things. But then after the pod was over, after the mics were quote unquote off, he just spit this rhyme that we just sat in awe of. And we were like, oh, we wish we would have recorded it. Then we're like, no, we're just so glad that it was just for us. And someone who just has that kind of genius, who can just be super thoughtful and and say all of these great rhymes and be super passionate about um, education and students. Um, it's there's just literally no one like Tim Jones. This is a challenge to all of our listeners to uh, give a personalized freestyle to whoever is next to you at this moment. <laughs> Mason, I, w- I want to give um, Aaron's book a plug. Aaron Jones uh, that we talked about last bridges to heal us stories and strategies for racial healing. Great book. Easy plane flight read, but uh, powerful stories of racial healing. And thanks for giving her a shout out, Shani. Yeah, for sure. She's awesome. All right. And then a, a final question here. Um, who did we talk with about being nice to your voice assistants? <laughs> <laughs> we, Mason, we talked to the, um, I think, an Irish tech, uh, ed tech leader, uh, Patricia Scanlon. Soapbox Labs, is that right? Yep. And then somebody we gave somebody gave us some advice recently about uh, digital assistant etiquette. Yeah, it was uh, it was an Angela Duckworth on building character. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty great. It's true. I asked her if I if I had to stop yelling at Siri. Siri, <laughs> hates, Siri hates me. Siri, you never give me good advice. But Angela told me that I should probably be nice to my digital assistants. You're right. We apologize to every household where we just set Siri off three times <laughs> for now. I would recommend the the Duckworth podcast to anyone, though. It's she she is um, brilliant and really research driven. She gives you answers that are really grounded in the best of research, and uh, we we really enjoyed chatting with her recently. Awesome. All right, going to do a little bit of a pivot to uh, just some of our general favorite podcast memories. So, what, Shani, what are some of your favorites that you've heard or participated in? Wow, these this is hard. Now, I have not been in the podcast game as long as Tom, so let's just start there. But I definitely have some clear favorites. Um, I'll start with Chris, Chris Emden. If if you all haven't checked out any of his work we say run. He's done um, some great books around uh, called Ratchetemic and for white folks who teach in the hood. And then one of his latest is STEM, STEAM, Make Dream, which is the book we most recently talked about. But his energy um, is just 
literally unlike no other. Um, so Chris Emden is definitely at the top of the top of the list. Um, and then I love, love talking to kids and talking to students, to learners. And they always surprise me. And I just always sit there in awe, wondering like, am I really talking to like 15-year-olds or 17-year-olds? But a particular group that stood out to me was Summit Tech, which is a school in Kansas City, Missouri. And number one, they have like the state, the most state-of-the-art studio that you'll ever see. And it's located in the Lee Summit um, Public School District. But just listening to all of these students on all of the different pathways that they want to pursue, it was just so encouraging. And just listening to the activities that they've been participating in to get to their next step um, was just truly, truly um, humbling. And then a couple of others um, was Harvesting Housing, which is just this group of students who are trying to create housing for migrant workers and just students who no one told them to do this. They just decided to care enough to start something. And even when they um, exit out of, quote unquote, the traditional walls of high school, this is something that they'll still continue because this wasn't a high school project. This was truly um, a really purpose-filled mission. And then one of the last one was Embark Education, which is a group of amazing middle schoolers in Colorado who are running a coffee shop and a bike shop. And the things that they knew and the reflections that they were able to share at like seventh and eighth grade was just like, wow. So I really love all of those. Those are some of my favorites, but I have others like Margarita, um, Galeski, and some that I did at South by Southwest, but um, those are the ones that really stood out to me. Shawnee, can I, I just interject that uh, I love that you've brought so many youth voices and uh, more diverse voices to our podcast. So it's just been so great to have you both host uh, the Getting Smart podcast, but also launch your own podcast. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's been really, um, it's just been really soul filling just to be able to meet people and tell their stories. We should insert uh, a little commercial here for Educated. <laughs> what, educated. What, is, what is Educated? So, um, like, thanks for mentioning it, Tom. Um, that wasn't planted at all. Um, but uh, <laughs> Educator is just a really fun teacher-centered podcast to help teachers, like, really have a place to be amplified, their voices to be amplified. And like Tom said, we really do focus on really diverse voices and because we really, really believe in equity at Getting Smart. And so this was just an additional way to do something really short, about 15 minutes, and hear what teachers are doing, how they're fostering belonging, how they created a sense of you know equity and leading, but most importantly, what recipe they would add to a cookbook. So there is literally no way I'm going to be on a pod with Tom and not ask about a recipe. So in true educator style, Tom, if you were to add a recipe to a cookbook, what would it be? Oh, bomb. I, I just finished a uh, barley burger. My, my uh, expert reviewer, who happened to be my wife, said it was the best veggie burger that she has ever had. It's um, barley cooked in stock with carrots and peppers and shiitake mushrooms. There may have been a little Chick-fil-A sauce in there. Uh, and th these are just exceptional. I don't know why you'd ever go back to McDonald's when you can make a, make a barley burger. 
add a little guacamole on top. That uh, kicks it up a notch. <laughs> well, if, if you want to know what Tom is eating more of, then follow him on Instagram at epic.veg. Epic.veg. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, Johnny, love that you brought student voice to the pod. Love the the teacher voices that you're amplifying through educators. And thanks for being part of the the 400 great episodes of the Getting Smart podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Tom. When you're when you're not working on your next cookbook, Presto Pesto, um, I'm curious what you're, you're typically writing about future of work type themes, right? That's been the thing for probably the last seven plus years as a uh, just a, a core undercurrent of what we're thinking about. So, what was your favorite future of work podcast? You know, the one, um, Jamie Marisotis, who's the CEO at Lumina uh, Foundation in Indianapolis, wrote a terrific book called Human Work in the Age of Smart Machines. And uh, Jamie, I think, just made a really beautiful general audience description of what the heck is going on with uh, with working and what it means for us and our and our kids. So I, I really loved my, uh, my conversation with Jamie and appreciate his work and how that's informed the, the work of the Lumina Foundation. And Tom, I remember after you interviewed him, it's, I think you literally talked about it for like two straight weeks. You were so enlightened and inspired by the work. Those, those are the best when somebody just kind of sticks with you for days after. Sometimes I'll get a ping from Tom like four days after a podcast and he'll be like, great conversation. And I'll be like, oh, you just had one? And he's like, no, four days ago. Like, I'm still thinking about it. Um, uh, to continue with sort of like the same structure of the last question, what was the best podcast we did in the future of learning? Man, it's super hard to, to pick. Um, the ones that surface, um, I think the best one in the future of learning that was also the most fun was this extraordinary conversation that we had with uh, Dr. Ed Hess from, I think he's from UVA the, um, at the business school there. He had written a new book. What was it called? Hyper learning. And um, stroke of luck, I invited Pam Moran, one of America's best superintendents, and our friend Byron Sanders from Big Thought in Dallas to come together and talk about the future of learning. <laughs> Podcast just exploded, it ignited. It was just, it was such a beautiful, um, energy-filled um, dialogue about uh, the, the possibilities uh, of student experience. That that one was just, I don't know. Shani, do you remember listening to that? I did. And I'm a big fan of, I don't know Ed as well, but a Byron. And so <laughs> that caused me, caused him to jump just a little bit higher. I loved all those moments in that one when every, every time Ed would finish talking, Byron would pause and he'd be like, can we all just like soak that in for a while? I don't want to talk. And then he'd follow up and just be like, brother Ed. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, that, that one was just electric. Um, the, the other one said, uh, that I loved how you know uh, a review of Julia Freeland Fisher's uh, book was was really really exceptional. Um, we reviewed Making It by uh, Stephanie Kraus. That was a beautiful one where she talked about um, competencies and credentials and cash uh, in in a way that I'd never uh, thought of before. Um, in in terms of the readiness that young people need. 
Um, and then Mason, remember the review that we did with um, Michelle Weiss called Long Life Learning? Beautiful turn of phrase that made you think about you're very likely to live, you know, my grandkids are very likely to be 125 and they're, they're, they're beginning a, a marathon uh, of long life learning. And I thought that was just super insightful and a calling for particularly higher ed institutions to, to rethink their lifelong and long life uh, mission. Those were a couple of highlights. And the lifelong journey of getting smart. I mean, not, you know, us, but in the notion. I'll, I'll always uh, be a little bit personally offended that Michelle called out the fact that she studied literature, but she started to know, notice that the people who studied poetry weren't getting jobs. And that, that, that'll, that'll, forever, that'll forever sting and encourage me to remember that podcast. But also, I did, I did love that episode. Didn't she study like Korean poetry? Yeah, she did, which is why I was okay. She has a pass because she did it, but she did. She noticed that her, her peers were, <laughs> were not the first ones getting the job. It's, it's okay. It's okay. All right. On the subject of creativity, though, how about the best podcast on creativity and innovation? Um, Sarah Stein Greenberg, the director of the Stanford D School, put together a spectacular book on creativity. Um, it's kind of a creativity cookbook, actually. Now you think talk about cookbooks, Shani. It's these short chapters with tips and tricks on how you and your colleagues in your workplace can be more creative. It's the kind of, it's a very cool book that you can just throw open and find a tool that you could use some somewhere during your your day. So I love that one. Mason, we did one on um, imagination where we talked about collective imagination with Martin Reeves, brilliant guy, important book, but that phrase of collective imagination, how leaders can create organizations, even communities of collective imagination where together you can imagine a better future. I thought that was uh, was a beautiful book. Absolutely. And we, we've been really thinking a lot about um, citizenship and we, we actually got one of your favorite uh, pod hosts on the podcast to talk about it. But who are some of your who are some of your favorite? Marin Tundi and Thurston. Yeah, and I like how Mason said favorite. Like he just said it like very lightly. No, Tom was seriously fanboying over over. I was super nervous for that one because I was like, "Dude, I'm your biggest fan." Yes. <laughs> Did I'm you guys know that I like eat those things up, and then I'm on Slack with, "Oh, Baratunde was so awesome this morning." <laughs> Tom kind of did to Baratunde what I'm doing to him this episode. We're just like, <laughs> let's talk about every episode you've done. And let's think I, about I, it. I totally fanboyed Baratunde. We went through like his whole, it's like, dude, you really did listen to those. I don't even remember interviewing those people. Uh, <laughs> it, seriously, you listen to How to Citizen by Baratunde. The fourth season is all about um, tech and ed tech and how it can be part of sort of imagining a, a new way to contribute to your community. It's it's beautiful and important. I don't want to leave this category without mentioning our colleague, Fernanda Rain, maybe our most frequent podcast. Yeah, I mean, we can't just leave it there, though, because Fernanda, I mean, truly, she's one of those kind of like Prince where you just need like the first name and you're done with it. Um, but he is one of the most energetic on 
fire um, educator who really believes in what history should look like for students, how it should be taught, how they should soak it up. I mean, she is literally all things in terms of advocacy for student learning in history in life. But yeah, definitely we, she belongs in this category. Fernanda Purple Rain Rain, as we call her. Yeah. <laughs> Her, her organization is um, History CoLab, and Fernanda is really becoming um, one of the world's most important advocates for deeper learning, particularly in the area of citizenship. Big advocate for community connected uh, projects, probably the best in the world at activating uh, museum based learning and connecting learners with civic organizations and, and museums in this country and, and really worldwide. La last thing I'll mention, she's a Russia scholar. And Mason, my, my favorite question and answer of the 400 episodes was um, either, either you or Fernanda may have suggested asking her about Red Square, um, a place that I've been a couple of times. And I asked Fernanda to explain the 500-year history of uh, the, the Russian Empire and what it meant for what Putin is thinking right now in a visual way um, as if we were standing in Red Square. And it, it was a breathtaking, vivid trip through history that explained um, really what's, what's happening today in the world in a way that I think only... Fernanda could do. Uh, I mean, those kind of moments really are a highlight of um, why we do what we do to be able to share uh, moments of insight like that. For sure. And we, we've been thinking a lot about um, place and climate and a bunch of that over the last years. We've got a new campaign that we're continuing to put stuff into called Green Schools, which you can check out at gettingsmart.com slash green schools. But um, Tom, what was your favorite podcast that we've done on climate so far? Yeah, I, I speaking of being a groupie, I've, I've been a, a fan of Thomas Homer Dixon for 20 years. He's the first one that pointed out the ingenuity gap that our civic capacity is going down while the complexity of the problems that we face, climate and others, are, are going up. And um, his new book, instead of bringing me down, brought me up because it's called Commanding Hope. And he, he really described that we can have a, a hopeful future together if we do what we should be doing. And it's a it's a beautiful read and super relevant for education communities. For sure. I, I think a lot of people listen to podcasts and they assume that it um, it, it wouldn't be very hard to host a podcast because you, you're just kind of talking to somebody, but you get to think about it in advance and you get to run the show. But I'm doing it right now. It is not that easy. Uh, and then there's a lot of things that make it pretty tough. So what do you both think is the hardest part about hosting a podcast? Well, it's hard to listen and think about what you're going to ask next. Uh, so, it, you know, it's funny. I, I always listen to um, the, the, the day they come out. I listen to the podcast and I hear things that I don't remember because I was trying to think about where am I going to take this interview? Because it's it's on a crazy journey that I didn't expect. Um so, so being fully attentive while you're um, formulating really good questions would be number one. Um, and number two, because we do this every week and it, it often includes reading 
a book and uh, on a number of background materials. Um, it, it, uh, we, I mean, we take preparation seriously. And so just getting ready to uh, thoughtfully engage with really smart people on a, on a broad range of topics is, uh, a beautiful challenge, but it goes back to that opening question of learning out loud. You have to be, you have to be willing to be embarrassed by asking questions that are not as well formulated as they could be. Exactly. And I'll ditto on that, but it is nice when the guests recognize that that preparation that you put into it, um, matter. And I remember Chris Emden, when we were having a chat about his book and I mean, he noticed that the prep was really there and he appreciated the thoughtfulness and the thoughtful questions as a result. Um, but yeah, sometimes having to pivot in a moment is not easy. Um, and then, you know, just really making the guests feel really comfortable um, and, you know, making sure that the energy is appropriately matched um, is sometimes a challenge. But, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you don't know most of the people who you're going to be talking to. And so there's a little bit of anxiety there um, because there's a chemistry that goes along um, with uh, podcast guests to really make it magical. Um, but every time that I was the most nervous um, about interviewing someone, those are genuinely the best podcast that I walk away from. And a lot of them have to do with students um, because students aren't like, you know, talking on podcasts all the time or promoting their work. They're just showing up and and being kids and being learners and doing great things. And now they have to, you know, get on a, a forum where they're talking about it. And I always walk away and like, I cannot believe that just happened. That was like the best experience that I've ever had. Mason, what's the hardest part about hosting and producing a podcast? We have to turn the table. I mean, I think it's just that how fast the world moves and how slow the, a podcast pipeline can move. You you can go from you go from like trying to get someone on the calendar four months out, and then suddenly you like so many things have changed in the world, and you're like, this topic is still important. I just don't know where it fits right now in the story we're trying to tell. Yeah. So trying to be responsive but also persistent uh, is a really interesting tension. Sometimes international guests don't show up. That is very, uh, yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> super true. They don't show up um, or just like latency, lots of freezing and people just taking their best guess at what you said. Sometimes they have lousy Wi-Fi. Yes. Sometimes they have lousy audio. <laughs> Those are all super true. Um, what, 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 I, I don't know if you want to disclose this, but which, which one was hardest to piece together into a quality show? Oh, there have been a couple that are pretty tough for a lot of different reasons. We had um, one of the recent ones that Shawnee did with the, the Summit Tech students was not a challenge on anyone's behalf, but we just had the most like different audio files. We had yeah. like eight or nine separate yeah. tracks and all talking at different times. And it was like a two-parter. Um, there have been a couple that just have had really glaring technical issues. So we just got to kind of make a patchwork quilt out at the end with what they said. And the Summit, Summit Tech Academy, this is in Southeast uh, Kansas City. That's a beautiful podcast. The students are super articulate and the audio quality is great. And so people wouldn't know that it was, that it was, uh, that was so challenging. So thanks for doing your magic behind the scenes, Mason. I, I got to plug my my little brother, Wyatt, who's back there helping me with some of these audio things, too. So it's definitely a, a team effort. So, Wyatt, first time you're going to shout it on the pod. But Go, Wyatt. Thank Go you. Wyatt. Thanks, Wyatt. You, you make it sound better than we actually are. <laughs> um, 
All right. So Shani, you mentioned the subject of nerves a little bit, like getting nervous for a podcast. Sometimes it's because you're messing with like five different people and one has responded over email. And sometimes it's because uh, you just aren't sure where the conversation could potentially go. So I'm curious, what guests have we had on that have been the biggest challenge for both of you in terms of nerves and prep? Yeah, no, that's that's a really great question. Um, it's typically ones where there are multiple guests in a in a pot. <laughs> so those can be a little bit challenging. One, just because um, you want to make sure that all the voices are heard. And then you want to make sure that the people listening understand who they're listening to. Um, but Mason, one, you make it very easy. And then <laughs> two, the the people you're talking to are really cognizant of the process. And so that makes it super easy as well. And then kind of once you get into the conversation, things begin to flow when all the anxiety melts away. And then you just kind of just hold your heart for like the next 30 minutes or so because they're just saying some super beautiful things where you're trying not to cry on a pod because you're just so inspired. And again, most of that happens with kids, um, but adults obviously say some really beautiful things as well. But when you hear like students talk about their challenges and when you hear students being super uplifting of their teacher leaders and what they've done for them, it's just you just literally can't breathe and you just think, why was I even nervous? This is like, you know, magic. Yeah. I mean, and I'll, I'll just plug in here too. Like it, it has been a, a tricky last couple of years and we've, as a result, uh, been fortunate and unfortunate to have lots of hard conversations on the podcast. So I think that that's just one challenge that I know we're always thinking about is like how to broach a topic, how to make sure the right people are talking about it. And that from a production side, that's definitely getting the right folks to talk about the right things is a challenge. But Tom, what about you? What's been most challenging? We have tried uh, in the last two years to to take on more challenging topics, particularly um, in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we've had um, we've tried to bring more in indigenous voices uh, to the podcast. I think about the the beautiful but challenging conversation that I had uh, with a husband and wife team with Chelsea Craig and Dr. Anthony uh, Craig on indigenous ways of knowing and leading that I, I found was uh, was really a beautiful, but uh, for me, a, a challenging uh, conversation. Just challenging per personally and challenging in terms of norms and conventions and, um, and uh, you know, historical senses of uh, identity. And I, I think they, in in a beautiful way, sort of took me to, uh, to a, a new and different place with a, a way to think about how you could lead a, a community in a way that's authentic, both to yourself and, and to your community. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's super beautiful when we get people on too. We, we mentioned Ulu uh, earlier, but I'll never forget, it was one of Shani's first podcasts. And she had to say Ululani Shireishi from Kamehameha Schools Maui in the first paragraph. And U Ulu was so patient as we were just like, we want to get this right. And ben, it was incredible. Mason, I, I want to give a shout out to our colleague, Ashley Rannan, who's really helped us bring more indigenous uh, voices to the, to the pod and the blog and just a general sense of mahalo. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure. Ashley is wonderful at that. 
Um, so let's we're kind of reveling in some of our favorite guests, but I'm curious, like, what are the hallmarks to both of you of a great guest on a podcast? I think a lot of our listeners may one day be a guest if they haven't already been one. Well, uh, we so. already said they they need to be able to do a freestyle rhyme. So <laughs> number one. <laughs> Number two is like being so passionate that you just kind of want to move out the way and just let their energy just move forth. Um, I also just really appreciate guests who aren't afraid to laugh. Like there are some really funny guests and some really funny stories that they tell. And I just really appreciate when people are so authentic, um, just organic, and they just kind of decide to be in the moment and just let it go uh, where it goes. Um, I appreciate that. Um, and then I just really appreciate, um, ones who take the time to uplift others at the end of educator. We always talk about what is one voice or multiple voices in the community that you feel like other people should check out or who you're listening to. And just their, I mean, they get, I think like really excited to then talk about someone else and share that sense of community, um, that I really think that's another hallmark of a great guest. So just the ability to, share and share alike and really do what educators do, which is uplift others and then figure out a way to share a resource with the next person. I, I would just say energy, insight, and good audio. <laughs> Come on, get a good microphone, people. <laughs> You're on a podcast. Get a mic. <laughs> they don't cost that much, but just bringing energy and insight. That's like Shani said, uh, really what, what we're trying to share. Awesome. That's great. Shani, this, I've got a question specifically for you, and this kind of pertains to that last one. So on Educator, a question we typically ask is, how do you nurture a sense of belonging in your classroom? Um, and I, I'm curious, how would you answer that if I changed it to, how do you nurture a sense of belonging <laughs> on the air? Well, it's funny that you first mentioned the classroom piece, because as a former, or I will always consider myself an educator, but as an educator, um, it was really important to build those relationships with students and, um, and teachers and whatnot. And so I've been able to then transfer that skill set over to the podcast. Now, I'm going to be honest, some of my jokes fall flat, and I don't get it because I'm hilarious, of course, uh, but they don't always land, but that's okay. But uh, before we start the pie, you know, we just really take time to just chat and and just be in community with each other and just assure them that it's going to be okay. Like, we're just going to hang out and chat and be friends for this next 15 to 40 minutes or whatever the case may be. So um, just giving a sense of... Um, uh, camaraderie, just making sure that they know that this isn't a high pressure situation. This definitely won't be the hardest thing that they've done in their lives, but to truly just like enjoy the process and take those first 10 minutes or so just to build those relationships. For sure. Um, Tom, we've alluded to this a few times on this podcast, but you are a podcast connoisseur at this point. Um, and you, you listen to, we've, every year we put out a list of like 100 podcasts you should check out. And I'm pretty sure you actively listen to all 100 of them. Um, and so what are, what are some of your, what are your tips? How do you consume podcasts well and often? 1.5 speed. <laughs> listen at 1.5 speed there's very few um th there's occasionally a few that i have to slow down but almost everybody sounds pretty good at uh at 1.5 so i do it while i'm uh, out riding a bike out and about um build build up 
I, I have uh, daily playlists and weekly uh, playlists, so I get a really interesting array of n news and economics and um, education and food. My, my, I, have a, I have a Saturday food um, series that I, I listen to. I have about five food blogs that give me inspiration for uh, eating for the whole week. <laughs> those are those are tough to listen to while on the bike, though. The whole time, <laughs> you, you kind of wish you were anywhere else. <laughs> right. Uh, amazing. Um, my my uh, a, a new favorite in twenty. Two is uh, people I mostly admire. Steve Levitt's pod is super guests and really thoughtful line of questioning. Um, that's from our friends at Freakonomics. Um, just that's a, a, a great new pod. And almost every one of those is really worth listening to. And speaking of worth listening to, and I know they're not doing any new. Well, sometimes they'll drop a random one. But our, our favorite between the three of us is home cooking. I mean, we miss it. We love it. Speaking of magic, podcast magic, and we, truly laughing a lot. We have the merch. I even laugh. I, I laugh so hard it hurts when I listen to that show. They're just silly fun, and the recipes are great. Oh, yeah. I'll say definitely worth listening to. And, Tom, you were talking about some of your favorite pods, and, and I always go to you to say, hey, Pi, or hey, Tom, who should I be listening to? Or, hey, Mason. Um, and ones that you all have. Uh, recommended Unbeing is really, really beautiful to listen to. Uh, Trailblazers with Walter Isaacs, Isaacson, just really hearing how people are doing the things that they're doing. And then he's just a beautiful storyteller. It's really the history of innovation, which I, I love. And Walter just brings stories to life. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I, I was just saying the most recent one, which is about running and how people have brought from all different races and genders, just the importance of what they bring to that community. So those are the kind of things that I've learned from that pod. And then the other is just the moth, which speaking of storytelling, just people coming on stage, telling their stories in a really um, beautiful and transparent way. Some are funny, some are sad, but, you know, all are worth listening to. Love that. All right. And our final question is just who are some people that uh, we would love to get on the podcast in the next couple of years? Who should we who should we swing for the fences on? Hold on. I, I don't want to get too close to the microphone, but I do want to make sure that they hear me. I am Chance the Rapper. I am, I, I am saying Chance the Rapper. I need you on the pod. And after that, I will say LeBron James. Like these are people who are doing obviously amazing things in their respective fields, but they are also changing the future of education in their cities, um, in Ohio and in Chicago. Um, they are just really doing some beautiful things for kids and they are just super passionate about it. And then the, uh, the last one that I'll add is Principal Cafele, um, who is all about um, principal leadership. And I, um, as a former Kansas City Public Schools um, educator, I've seen him a few times and he is just on fire and he has a great Twitter and all of that. So it would be great to have him on the pod as well. I'd say um, Obama, Oprah, and Otuma. Uh, all the O's, the best. Paragatuma uh, has uh, a podcast called Poetry Unbound, and what I really appreciate about that is um, Parag is a beautiful teacher. Um, he starts every episode with a hook. He reads a poem, 
uh, he discusses it and then he reads the poem again. And um, Mason and Johnny have uh, brought that tradition to our weekly rhythm at Getting Smart. We do a Monday poetry reading that's that's really um, modeled after Otuma's uh, poetry, Unbound. So love his leadership and uh, teaching. There are no better O's than the three you named. There's two ed, uh, two educators that start with C. One one is uh, Secretary Cardona, but I, I'd add Alberto um, Carvalho, who's recently moved to um, L.A. USD. He was a longtime Miami superintendent. Just uh, really appreciate his sustained leadership in America's biggest districts. Um, he's smart and brave and has been at it a long time, and he has really beautiful suits. Well, and speaking of smart and brave and poetry, we have to add Amanda Gorman because she meets Thank all you. Let's add her to the list. That's a pretty good list. It's a great That's, list. That, that is a good list. Yeah. We'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> get, line those up, will you? Yeah. yeah. I'll get them, get them in all your ears very soon, I'm sure. I just want to give special thanks to our bread baking, music making, poet laureate, creative director, friend, colleague, audio master, Mason Pasha. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you, Mason. Thank Thank you, Mason. That that felt like the hands soccer tunnel. It felt like I was running through it, and that was... was And Wyatt. And Wyatt. And Wyatt. Secretly does the hard work behind the scenes. All right. (laughs) Amazing. Well, awesome. Thank you both for joining. Thanks for all you do with Getting Smart on the podcast and off. And thank you, as always, to all of you for listening and keep learning, keep innovating for equity. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much.